We're going to look at the story of Jesus Christ and Peter walking on the water. I don't know about you, but I have always been fascinated by the story of Peter walking on the water. Now, sometimes when we look at this story, I think we're a little critical of Peter, but I would remind you of all of the men that were in the boat on that day, there was only one who stepped out onto the water. There's only one. And that man's name was Peter. He stepped out on the water and he walked to Jesus Christ. This morning I want to talk to you for a few moments about how to navigate the storms of life. You know, as I grow older and older, I've come to realize something about this world we live in. It's not a matter of when we are going to face the storms. I mean, if we are going to face the storms of life. It's simply a matter of when we are going to face the storms of life. At some point in time, every one of our lives are going to be, or we are going to experience experience challenging difficult times in this world and at that time we must ask ourselves the question how should we navigate the storms of life when they visit us have you ever thought about that question well Jesus Christ gives us insight in this story about how to navigate the storms of life and I think you I think you may be surprised at what Jesus Christ is going to say do you know what he says in this passage of scripture about navigating the storms of life he says this if you want to navigate the storms of life this is what you must do you must walk on the water you must walk on the water so if you have your Bibles, John chapter 6, I want you to follow along with me as I read this story. This story is actually recorded in three of the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, and the Gospel of John. John's is the shortest account of the story. It is only six verses long. Now, don't miss the importance of this. In every Gospel account... This story always comes on the heels of the feeding of the 5,000. There's a reason for that. Make no mistake that it is placed there for a very important reason. So let's look together at verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and started across the sea of Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because of a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Because he said to them, It is I, but he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were able to take, or they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now, if you would for me, take your device or your Bible, and I want you to quickly flip over to Matthew, the 14th chapter. Matthew, the 14th chapter. This is Matthew's account of the same story. 
But the reason I have you turn over to Matthew's account of the same story is because when he records the story, he includes in it details or aspects that we don't get in the stories of Mark and John. As a matter of fact, one of the aspects that he includes in this story for us is that on that night, in the middle of that storm, Peter steps out of the boat and he walks toward Jesus Christ. Now I want you to listen and I want you to see if you notice some different aspects in this story that John chooses not to record. Listen to what he says here, Matthew the 14th chapter, beginning in verse 22. Immediately he, that is Jesus Christ, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Now, I want us to pause right here, and I want to see if you notice the difference at the beginning of Matthew's account as versus what John's account was. Do you remember what John said in his opening verse of the account? He said the disciples went down to the shore. What did they do? They got into the boat, and they started to the other side. But Matthew records an aspect of the story here that John doesn't. Did you hear what Matthew said in this opening verse? He says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. I think about that and I think to myself, wow, what was Jesus Christ thinking? Did Jesus Christ know that the storm was getting ready to happen out on the Sea of Galilee? Well, certainly he did. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus Christ is what Matthew says. He deliberately sends his apostles out into the storm. When I read that, I think to myself, oh my goodness, what is Jesus Christ thinking? The storm is on the horizon. I wonder if some of the apostles were thinking to themselves and just didn't voice it. Doesn't Jesus know a storm is coming? I mean, after all, they were fishermen. Maybe they saw the clouds looming on the horizon and they're thinking in their mind, what in the world is Jesus Christ thinking? He sends us out into the middle of the storm. Why in the world would Jesus Christ deliberately send His apostles out into the middle of the storm? What was He thinking? Why would Jesus Christ do that? Well, I think there's two reasons that Jesus Christ did this. First, he wanted to test the faith of his apostles. As I shared with you earlier, this story comes on the heels of Jesus feeding the 5,000. The apostles were there. They saw Jesus Christ take the five loaves of bread and the two fish, divide it, bless it, and fed 5,000 men. Most scholars, Bible students, think there's probably even more than that there because it doesn't record the women and the children that were there. And when it was done, how many baskets were left over? Twelve baskets were left over, wasn't it? I think when Jesus Christ sent these apostles out into the middle of the storm he wanted them to trust him for every need in their life even in the midst of the storms of life 
But I think there was a second reason Jesus Christ sent his apostles out in the middle of the storm. I think he sent them out into the middle of the storm because he wanted to teach them a very important spiritual truth. You need to listen to this this morning. You need to hear it carefully. Jesus wanted his disciples to learn. It is safer to be in God's will in the middle of the storm than it is to be safe on dry land with the crowd out of the will of God. Let me say that again, all right? Because we need to hear that this morning. Because I don't believe that is always our view, our perspective of the storms of life, is it? What Jesus wanted his disciples to learn, it is safer to be in God's will in the middle of the storm than it is to be safe on dry land with the crowd out of God's will. You know, the Word of God teaches us that there are two kinds of storms that every believer will face as they journey with the Lord. The first one are the storms of correction. The storms of correction. Now, we all know an example of the storms of correction. We've all heard of that guy that was swallowed by the big fish, right? Yeah, his name was Jonah, and I would tell you that was a storm of correction, was it not? Jonah refused to obey God and go to Nineveh and preach the gospel message. And so what does God do? God disciplines him through the storm and through the big fish to get his attention. And sometimes in the middle of the storms of life, we are there not because God has placed us there, but because there's some kind of behavior that needs to be corrected in our life as followers of Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? God says that he disciplines those that he loves, right? I hope if you're here today and you're a believer, at some time you have felt the disciplining hand of God on your life because it marks you as a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. God disciplines those that he loves. Isn't that true according to Scripture? Isn't that what it says in the book of Hebrews? Yes. He uses the analogy of what? The father and the son. The hev- I mean, the earthly father who loves his son will do what? He will discipline him. So how much more true is that of our heavenly father? The second kind of storm that we sometimes faced in life are the storm, not of correction, but the storm of perfection. The storm of perfection. Those circumstances that God uses to mature our faith to help us to grow in the to the person that God desires for us to be listen to me this morning very carefully without the storms of life you will never ever be the person that God intends you to be. You will never grow up in the grace and the knowledge of God. You will never mature into the kind of person, follower of Jesus Christ that God desires for you to be without the storms of life. They have a way of developing our character. Some believers have made the mistake or have the mistaken idea that obedience to God's will produces smooth sailing on the seas of life. 
But I would say to you this morning, that is not true. Jesus said in John the 16th chapter in the 33rd verse, in this world you will have tribulation. When we find ourselves in the midst of the storm because we obeyed Jesus Christ, we must always remember that Jesus brought us here and will see us through. He will take care of us. His words to us is, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Listen to what Jesus Christ says to his group of apostles here. He offers them words of encouragement. For some of you, this is the word that God wants to speak into your heart and your life today. Jesus Christ, when he sees them, he's out on the water. He's walking on the waves. He says to them, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, that's some of the most comforting words in the world. When we find ourselves in the midst of the storms of life, knowing that Jesus Christ will never leave us or forsake us, knowing that He is always alongside us, guiding us, walking with us, there with us through whatever it is that we are going through in this world. I don't know everything that you are going through today. I don't know what storm of life you may be facing in it. It may be a storm of correction. It may be a storm of perfection in your life. I don't know, but I will tell you this. There is one who sits on the throne above, the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. He knows what it is that you're facing, and He is saying to you this morning, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. That's what He's saying. That's what He's saying. Take comfort. Know that I am with you in the midst of the storms of life. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful for that. Knowing that I do not travail alone in this world. We serve a God who is a God of all comfort and the same comfort that Jesus Christ offered his apostles in this story he offers to you and to I he offers it to us let's go back to this story and lead that's hard to believe that's just verse one isn't it let's go back to this story and let's pick up with verse 23 I promise you and the rest of it's going to go very very quickly and after he had dismissed the crowds he went up on the mountain by himself to pray When evening came, he was there alone. Now, I've often wondered as I've read that verse, exactly what was Jesus Christ praying? Do you know what I think he was praying? I think that he was praying for those guys going through the storm out on the sea. What do you think he was praying? I think that's exactly what he's praying. But the boat, listen to what he says. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way off from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, that is from the 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. period, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus Christ. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. It's the second time that word appears. And beginning to seek, he cried out, Lord, save me. If nothing else, 
Peter looked to the right person for salvation, didn't he? We can be critical that Peter took his eyes off of Jesus Christ, but before we're too critical of Peter, you know what? We may need to examine our own life in the midst of the storm. What do you think? He took his eyes off of Jesus Christ. He began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took a hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat, now don't miss this last verse, worshipped Jesus Christ, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Isn't that a crazy story? Isn't it amazing? Have you ever tried to take yourself and put yourself into that story and ask yourself the question, how would I have responded in that story? What would I have done? Would I have been like Peter or would I have been like the guys in the boat who were willing just to sit back and watch and see what happened to Peter? How would have you responded in this story? As I examine this story, I believe in this story we're going to see three keys that can help us to walk on water in the midst of the storms of life. Three keys that can help us walk on water in the midst of the storms of life. Number one, if you're writing it down, this is what you want to write. In the midst of the storms of life, if we're going to walk on water, we must respond in faith to the storms rather than fear. We must respond in faith to the storms rather than fear. Fear is a powerful force. One of the strongest human emotions in our life. But do you realize that most of our fears in life are completely unfounded? They are not realities. Zig Ziglar said, The letters of fear stand for false evidence appearing real. Isn't that so true? Can I remind you of what God's Word says? God's Word says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. When I read this story, one of the first questions that comes to my mind is this. Why didn't the apostles recognize Jesus Christ? I mean, after all, they had just spent the whole entire day with him when he fed the 5,000. He had just sent them off out into the ocean, out into the Sea of Galilee. Was it so hard for them to believe that he could walk on water? I mean, after all, he had multiplied the bread and the fish. He had turned water into wine. He had healed the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. Why would it be so difficult for them to believe that he could actually walk on water? Why is that so hard for them to believe? Well, this is the reason. Listen to me carefully, because oftentimes this is exactly what we do in the midst of the storms, because they were not looking for Him. Had they been waiting in faith, they would have known Him immediately. Instead, they allowed their fears to paralyze and control them, is what they did. 
Now, isn't that oftentimes what we do in the midst of the storms of life? Folks, we need to realize faith and fear cannot reside in the same heart. Fear always blinds the eyes to the presence of the Lord. You will never walk over your troubles in life until you refuse to give in to your fears and choose to trust Christ in all circumstances. The key to overcoming the storms of life is choosing to respond in faith, keeping your eyes on Jesus Christ rather than focusing on your fear. And when we do that, we can always be assured Jesus Christ never disappoints. So the first key to walking on water in the midst of the storms of life is to choose to respond in faith rather than fear. Number two, choose to focus on the purpose of the storm rather than the circumstances swirling around you. When you find yourself in the midst of the storm, maybe what we need to do is ask ourselves the question, what is God's purpose in this storm of life for me? What does He want to accomplish in my life? Walking on water through the storms of life is all about perspective. How do I view the storm of life? Well, let's think about that for a moment. What was the purpose of this storm in the life of the apostles? Well, it was simple. To grow their faith, right? I mean, think about it. Jesus knew that he wasn't always going to be there with them. He also knew each one of these men would face storms in their ministries after he was gone. He could see the storms on the horizon. He wanted them to learn to trust Him even though He wasn't physically present with them and even though it sometimes looked as though He didn't care. Have you ever found yourself in the midst of one of those storms of life where you've cried out to the Lord and it seems as though Your prayers are getting no higher than the ceiling of the room that you're sitting in. And we say to ourselves, where, oh God, where are you in the midst of the storm? You know, there was a guy that wrote part of Psalms that cried out to God in that way. Where, God, are you in the midst of the storms of life? Now, at this point in the story the center of the attention shifts away from the apostles and it centers on Peter. As I said before, before we are critical of Peter, we need to remind ourselves, all of the men in the boat on that day, there was only one who chose to get out and walk on water. Peter's decision to walk on water is a magnificent display of faith. Peter dared to be different. It's easy to sit in the boat and watch. It's something totally different to get out of the boat and walk on water. And that's exactly what Peter chose to do. Peter said, Jesus, if it's really you, command me to come to you. And Jesus did. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to put yourself in the place of Peter. 
Can you imagine what that must have been like? Stepping out over the edge of that boat and putting your foot on the water, there is a storm raging around you. Steve, uh, uh, Jesus is standing off in the distance and he's saying, Come on, Peter. Here I am. Come to me. Here I am. And you begin to walk across the water to Jesus Christ. As Peter starts across the Sea of Galilee, he makes a critical error. One we are all guilty of. In the midst of the storm, he takes his eyes off of Jesus Christ and he focuses on the raging storm around him. And he begins to sink. Peter cries out to Jesus and Jesus saves him. And this is how Jesus responds. I want you to hear his words. Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? That word doubt is a very unique word in the Greek. It means standing uncertainly at two ways. Now, this is what it means in a very practical way in our lives as Christians. In the midst of the storms of life, you will have to choose between two ways. You'll have to choose to focus on your circumstances of your situation and allow your fear to control the decisions that you will make or you will have to choose to focus on Jesus Christ and the purpose of the storm, trusting that the Lord God has your best interest at heart, that He will walk with you through whatever storm it is that you are going through. This experience was one difficult, one of the most difficult experiences for Peter in his life. But I can tell you this morning, without this experience in Peter's life, he doesn't preach at Pentecost, and he doesn't, there are not thousands of people saved. Without this experience, he doesn't heal the man at the temple gate. With Without this experience, we don't have First and Second Peter written in the New Testament. This situation helped Peter grow in the knowledge of himself and of the Lord. Listen, folks, storms of life are not easy. They are necessary. Without storms, there is no spiritual growth in our lives. There's no spiritual growth. None. It is only as we walk through the storms of life that there can be spiritual growth. It has been rightly said, faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of consequences. Number three, the third key to walking on water in the storms of life. Now get this one. I don't know this is one we always expect. Choose to worship Jesus rather than wallowing in self-pity. Listen to it again. Choose to worship Jesus rather than wallowing in self-pity. You know, one of the most amazing stories in the Bible to me is the story of Job. It is utterly astounding. His story begins with these words. I want you to listen to them. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. He was blameless and righteous, the greatest man in the East. He had seven sons and three daughters. 
7,000 head of sheep, 3,000 head of camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and a large group of servants. And in a blink of an eye, his entire life would be radically changed. All of his livestock and servants gone in one fell swoop. If that was not bad enough, all of his children were killed in a freak accident. You want to talk about a storm of life. Let me ask you a question. If you found yourself in that situation, how would you respond? How do you think Job responded? I want you to listen to how he responded. The Word of God records for us what Job did after receiving word of the death of his ten children. Let this sink in. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground. He's in deep mourning. Now listen. And he worshipped the Lord God. (laughs) What a perspective. I mean, think about this. In the midst of heartache and despair, Job falls on his knees before the Lord and he worships. He doesn't question. He doesn't blame. He doesn't turn inward and cry, Woe unto me. I don't deserve this. I can't believe you're letting this happen in my life, Lord. In the midst of the storms of life, when the waves and the winds were beating against him, he chose to fix his eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and worship him. He says, The Lord gives. The Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, what a perspective about life in the storms of life that we all face. But you know what I so often see in the world in which we live in? People face the storms of life and the first thing they do is withdraw and lock themselves in their home. And they refuse to worship the one true Sovereign God of the universe. After Jesus Christ saves Peter, do you know what they do? They get back in the boat. And this is what it says. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the son of the living God. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I've often wondered, after Peter is saved by Jesus Christ, how does Peter get back in the boat? We're never told. You know what I think happened? I think Jesus Christ came alongside Peter, put his arm around Peter, and said, Oh, Peter, listen, friend. In the midst of the storms of life, You've got to keep your eyes on me. You've got to focus on me and not the circumstances around you. Peter, I am your stronghold. As a matter of fact, that phrase, it is I, is very unique. Do you know what it is? 
literally, this is what Jesus Christ is saying. The great I am is here. That's what it is in the Greek. The great I am has arrived. That's what he's saying. I don't know everything that you're going through in life. But I can tell you this, there is one who knows. And I challenge you this morning, as your pastor, choose to respond in faith to the storm of life that you're going through. Choose to see the purpose of it, that there is a greater purpose for it. And God wants to use it to mold you and to make you into the person He desires you to be. And you can't be that person without the storm. And at the end of the day, choose to fall down on your face before the Lord Jesus Christ and to worship Him for He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings and He is worthy of our worship. You see, when I walk away from this passage of Scripture, the question I'm always left with is this, Jeff, will you choose to worship God no matter what comes your way? Will you choose to worship in the midst of the storm? Father God, we thank you for your word and the truth of it and the way it speaks truth into our lives. Father, we come to the time of our service where we call it an invitation because we invite people not to come to me, Lord, not to come to this church, but to come to you. Because, Lord, you are the problem solver. So, Father, I pray that you would just work in the hearts and the lives of people. Continue to work, Lord, drawing them unto yourself. My desire is to see you high and lifted up. I ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.